They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Barbers, I just want to say, yeah, pour your coffee or even hot tea with a little honey in it for me <laughs> for our Bible study. And this is something that we do every single Wednesday on Tuesday on Virgin Most Powerful. And also my wife also does a Bible study tonight at the Ch- Sacred Heart Chapel at 7 p.m. And then again on Thursday at one o'clock in the afternoon. That's correct. Yeah. So, Mary, we're reading, uh, we're actually studying the book of Mark. Now, that's the shortest gospel. Isn't that still the case? That's the shortest gospel. You mean there's no expiration date at these, at the, on this Bible? There's no expiration date. So we don't change the words. We don't nope. change the verses. Nope. We it's, don't change them. Okay, that's good. That's very consoling. So the gospel of Mark, where are we this week? Can you give us a little update? Well, we're in chapter six oh, of the six, gospel okay, of Mark. Um, mm-hmm. and but, be, but before we do that... I wanted you to give a commentary on Mark today. Yes. Jesse and I had a really good time talking about Jesus, you know, with the demons. Yes. So can we read that gospel first? Yes, I'm we have. Little, I must have too much iced tea. I'm excited. Either <laughs> that or I feel great. <laughs> You're feeling a lot better. I am. Thanks honey. be to God. Yep. Now, the, the, this year, um, we're reading the gospel of Mark here at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year right. uh, for the daily readings mm-hmm. during the week. And uh, we're at the beginning of gospels, um, Mark's gospel, verse Chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Right. Jesus came to Capernaum with his followers, and on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet. Come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. So Jesus is there, and he's in the synagogue teaching, and this man has an unclean spirit, and Jesus is... Is the unclean spirit just someone who's possessed? Is that a fair statement, unclean spirit? Correct. When, yeah. when he talks, speaks of it, he's, there's, the man is possessed. He's yeah. possessed by a demon. Yeah. There's an actual demon. It's yeah. not, no. you know, um, sometimes we confuse our language, and we talk, about, um, <laughs> we talk about all these demons we have inside, and we're actually talking about the seven capital sins. Right. But you know, yeah. we don't need the devil's help to do evil. Yeah. We don't need any help from the devil because of original sin right. and because of concupiscence. We, it's easier for us to do evil than it is for us to do good. And we can't do good without God's help. So we have, that's why we're supposed to pray always, yeah. constantly asking for God's help to do the good, to allow God to work in and through us mm-hmm. so that he will accomplish the good he desires to accomplish. Well said. So the demons are real. They're, they're real mm-hmm. persons. It's not a figment of our imagination. They're not figments Flip of Wilson our No, the devil, and the devil didn't make you do it if you did evil necessarily. You might have done it on your own. But the deal is there are real demons and they really can possess people. And Jesus really could drive them out. And you notice he doesn't say in God's name, get out. He says, quiet, come out of him. He's doing this in his own name with his own authority. And the people are just astonished. And they were also astonished at his teaching. He's, he's teaching with authority. 
again, he teaches in his own name. He doesn't necessarily quote from the prophets and the, I mean, he quotes the prophets and all of that, but, but he teaches it in a way that I say to you, Mm -hmm. you know, Moses allowed you to have divorce, but I say to you that, you know, the, the word is the eye for an eye and truth for tooth, but I say to you. Mm -hmm. And so he is the one who has the authority to teach what God authentically wants us to know. And he doesn't compromise and he doesn't give us an out. He doesn't say, oh, well, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I know that guy hurts you. You can slug him in the face, you know. No, he doesn't say that. You know, life's tough. And you know what? It's going to be tougher to live the gospel. You think mm-hmm. it's life's tough? Live the gospel. You know, people people want a challenge in life? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll challenge you. Become the saint God wants you, want you to be. Do God's will moment by moment every single day. Do everything you do out of love for God, moment by moment, every day. That's tough. Let me ask you a question. That comment that the people were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I, I, my take on that, maybe that the scribes might have been not doing saying one thing and doing another thing. That that was my take. Is that a fair statement? Well, I think that's a fair statement because that comes out in the Gospels very clearly. Jesus mentions that. He says, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses as, te- as teachers. Mm-hmm. So do what they teach you, yeah. but don't follow their actions. Exactly. <laughs> don't follow their example. Don't do what they do. So <laughs> they like, saw Je- Jesus as something different. He's different. He not only... He, he lives it. it. It is his life. It is He lives, moves, and breathes in union with the Father. And so everything that he does mm-hmm. is in union with the Father. And it's not like, oh, he's preaching one thing to us, but look at how he's living. Right. No, this guy, this guy's living it. Yeah, he's, he walks the talk. He really does walk the talk. And so they notice, they notice the difference. And, and Jesus, it's a fair statement because Jesus definitely points that out in the Gospels that yeah, the scribes and the Pharisees, were, they were teaching. They sat on Moses' seat as teachers, but they weren't living what they were teaching. Got it. That's true. Great, thanks. Very good. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we're going to move now to... Well, I just wanted Mark. to make one comment oh, because um, we have, in addition to the gospel, we have a first reading. Mm-hmm. And this year is year A in the cycle of reading for the daily readings. And right now we are reading the letter to the Hebrews. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning of the letter to the Hebrews, yesterday's first reading, very interesting because I know there are some out there who say that, well, Jesus Christ was the was the uh, angel Michael, or they have some other take on it. Uh Well, this is what the letter of the Hebrews tells us, which historically has been attributed to Paul. And this is chapter 1, verses 1 through 6? Yes, chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Brothers and sisters, in times past, God spoke in partial and various ways to our ancestors through the prophets. In these last days, he spoke to us through the Son, whom he made heir of all things and through whom he created the universe, Mm -hmm. who is the refulgence of his glory, the very imprint of his being, and who sustains all things by his mighty word. When he had accomplished purification for sins, he took his seat at the right hand of the majesty on high as far superior to the angels Mm -hmm. as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, (laughs) you are my son, this day I have begotten you. Or again, I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. 
Or again, when he led the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We, we need to read the whole scripture in its full context and not take things out of context no. and, and isolate them. It's very clear in the letter to the Hebrews here that the, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Son of God, became man yeah. and that he is God mm-hmm. and he is above the angels. Big He's time. not an angel. Right. And so I just I, I, so, I encourage you to read that letter to the so Hebrews. So that would be a proof text for those who say that Jesus was some kind of an angel. It, it would be good for them. To, yeah, exactly. You need to read that and really meditate and ponder it. It's like, no, he's he's above the angels. The angels are supposed to worship him. He's not an angel. And by the way, you're only supposed to worship God. So if God's telling the angels to worship the son, they're t- they're worshiping God. The son is God. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot there. There's a lot there. And the, the, it would be beautiful to read the letter to the Hebrews and just really meditate on it. It's being read at the daily readings right now mm-hmm. for the daily masses. Mm-hmm. And read through that letter and just ponder it. It's it's powerful. It's just so powerful. So All right. Well, we got a couple minutes before the break. Let's Let's delve into where we were last week and... And, okay. Uh, what chapter are we on? And We're on. Open up your Bibles now. Open up here to Mark chapter six, and in Mark chapter six, we have this, this uh, Jesus not being honored in his own country. Mm. So he went away from there, and he came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, "Where did this man get all this?" What is this wisdom given to him? What mighty works are wrought by his hand? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and among his own kin. And in his own house, and he could not do mighty works there. He could do no mighty works there, except that he laid hands upon a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Well, does that apply to us big time? You know, the unbelief. Yes. Yeah. Are are we believing? And it seems like this would be a good time to say every single day in our life, ask Jesus for more faith. Absolutely. Because Lord, if we're I not believe. asking, we don't get it. Right. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief and help, and increase my faith. I, faith is a gift. Yeah. And by the way, it's a gift that can be lost. St. Paul said, pray for me that having, after having preached to others, I myself might not fall away. Boy, so this idea that once saved, all is saved, that, that's not in the scriptures anywhere. Nope. And Paul warns us, you know, he himself, you know, here he is, he's gone around, he's sacrificed everything. He's suffered for the Lord. And he's saying, pray for me that... After having preached to others, I myself might not fall away. So is, there is that possibility that we can fall away from the faith. So we have to ask for that gift every day and, and ask God to increase it. That asking you shall receive. Well said. When we come back from the break, we're going to continue with Mark chapter 6. If you have a question about the Bible in general, maybe you have a question about where it came, how the authority, we talked about that. But anything, you just call 888 888- Five two six two one five one. I'll repeat it. Eight 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 five two six two one five one. And um, we'll be back with the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio with the Bible with the Barbers. 
If you're a listener to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you already know about hands-on apologetics with master apologist Gary Machuda. And if you're a fan of hands-on apologetics, then we have some exciting news for you. This February, Sensei Gary will be leaving the Apologetics Dojo in Michigan to visit the Virgin Most Powerful Radio World Headquarters in Covina, California. And if you'll be in Southern California this February, we have more exciting news for you. Not only will Gary be doing his live show from our Virgin Most Powerful Radio studio, but he will be giving a live presentation on February 20th at 7 p.m. right here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. That's Gary Machuda speaking live on the topic of Breaking the Bible Barrier, Why Catholic Appeals to the Bible Fail, and How to Make Them Successful. For more information, call 877-526-2151 or visit virginmostpowerfulradio.org. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the, to the Bible with the Barbers. We're just having too much fun reading the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 6. So, open up that Bible and don't forget, get your coffee or your hot tea. Because <laughs> it's go. a cold day out here in Southern California. It is, it is. And I also, we just got a, a text. There, there's a college local here that's having some trouble. We just asked the Lord to send his angels to Amen. that campus and um, to, to help to see that no one's hurt and that anyone who's doing something evil would be converted to the Lord. And uh, Lord Jesus, please send your angels to help. Please send your angels to help. Amen. So Jesus was up there in Nazareth and the people are, they're amazed, but it's like, we know this guy. Mm-hmm. We know who you are, you know, and that's isn't that the way it goes? You know, sometimes, well, I, yeah, I know who you are. You can't do any good. You, you're you just a jerk. I know who your mother and father are. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> and it's interesting because here in the passage, they don't actually say. They say that Jesus is the carpenter. They don't say he's the son of the carpenter, and they right. say he's the son of Mary. Yes. Apparently, Joseph is not alive at this time. Right. Apparently, from, what, it, it would it appear indicates. from the gospel, it indicates. Yep. And then they name the, the brothers of Joseph. Well, there's been a lot of discussion about this over the years, but the interesting thing about it is we know for certain that um, two of these men are are the sons of Mary, the wife of Cloephas, not not Mary, the mother of Jesus, but another Mary, and um, so they're, they're kinsmen. You have this thing in in the 
where the degrees of kins- like cousins, kinship, right? yeah, it, it wasn't always delineated. And so yeah. your brother or your sister could be your blood brother exactly. or sister. They could be a cousin. They could be a niece or nephew. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, And that's still, even in the Middle East today, they don't always refer the way we do in the West. They don't delineate between these, um, what do you call, uh, degrees of, of uh, kinship that mm-hmm. we do. Mm-hmm. So um, we have this instance where, and so James and Joseph are the, are the sons of Mary, the wife of Clophus. Mm-hmm. And it's very possible that um, the Judas and Simon mentioned here are actually Simon the Canaanian and um, Judas, the son of James. So, you know, we're, we're not fully sure. We do know that Mary was ever virgin. The church has always believed that. And so these people are not blood brothers of Jesus Christ. They're not his actual physical blood brothers. They're not children of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so Jesus tells him, he says, you know, I, a prophet's not going to be accepted in his own hometown. Right. And, and this is what happens to him here. He's not really accepted there. And in another gospel, we're told that, that they actually got mad at him and, and took him to the brow of the hill to throw him over it. That's right. And he doesn't, he doesn't disappear and, you know, get thrown over the hill. He walks through the midst. I remember seeing some movie about Jesus one time and, and they take him to the brow of the hill and then he disappears and nobody knows where he is. And then Mary and the apostles are all in the house and they're all worried and they're scared and they're, mm-hmm. what happened to him? And he comes in the house and he's all dirty and, you know, he looks like he's fell down the hill and yeah. got beaten up or something. And. No, that's not what it says in the Gospels. It says he turned around and walked through their midst. That's what he says. So yeah, the, the, the literal historical sense is the first sense of any scripture passage. So. Good principle to follow. Yeah, he, he turned around and walked through their midst. I, I, you know, a d- dramatic effect or poetic license. Yeah, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make it as exciting, <laughs> you know, to have, have, have this guy turn around and walk through a crowd of a mob yeah. of, of people who are willing to kill him. I mean, that wouldn't be as exciting as to have him just kind of disappear and pretend that the crowd had thrown him over the hill, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Depends on how you see things, I Amen. guess. So then journey, Jesus journeys with his apostles, and he goes about teaching. And it's interesting because he sends his apostles out on mission. He gives them a mission. So he called the 12, and he began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits. And he charged them to take nothing for the journey except a staff. That's a walking stick. That's all they were supposed to take. No bread, no bag, no money in their belt. They were to wear sandals, but not to have a second tunic. I mean, this is bare bones down to the basic. You're being sent out on a mission, and you can't even take food with you. Whoa, this tough life. You want, a, you want a tough life? You want a challenge? Follow Jesus. He'll give you a challenge. And he said to them, where you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. And if any place will not receive you and they refuse to hear you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet for a testimony against him. So they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Interesting. This is how Mark began his gospel, Mm -hmm. that Jesus, after John was arrested, appeared in Galilee, preaching repentance, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We just had that reading two days ago in the gospel about repent and we believe. And it seems that that theme is throughout all four gospels. It's not just Mark. No, it's throughout all of them. Yeah. And that's here here's the basis of it. Here's the crux of the yeah. gospel. The the crux of the gospel is repent. Give up your sins. Mm-hmm. 
and turn to the Lord for the strength to live a life free of sin, even in this world. Let me throw you a curveball, Mary. That's what they have me here for. We talk about sin. It seems like some of the saints recently have said the worst thing in the world is the denial of sin. And today we seem in many areas of our church that is saying that, you know, certain things are not sinful anymore. Somehow we (laughs) we've come up with a better idea of how to deal with it. And I I call it false mercy. But um, the clarity that the church teaches in the catechism about sin is very clear. And so for our listeners sake, if someone tries to tell you, you know, the gospel has, you know, got a, there's a way out of getting out of this, you know, sixth commandment because, you know, uh, you've been um, brought up on grade B milk or there's some circumstances that can justify you having a second marriage and still, you know, being comfortable in the church in the sense of fully able to receive Holy Communion. I'm bringing up a can of worms, but my point is the church has always been very clear that the Ten Commandments that God has taught, that there's no expiration date, that in the year 2030, they can't change those those, uh, teachings. The church has said that these are for perennial teachings. Right. It's not, you know, the, the church... The deposit of faith, the sacred deposit of faith, wasn't given to the church as her possession gotcha. that she could dispose of there or just dis- change whenever she wanted right. willy nilly. That the sacred deposit of faith was given as a sacred trust to the church for her to safeguard it. Mm-hmm. The Ten Commandments came from God. Yeah, you can't change them. There's nobody, no, not no authority. The, no authority has. Nobody changes the Ten Commandments. You can't do it. They came from God. And, and it's like that. Oh, oh, God just mean. He doesn't want us to have any good time. He doesn't want us to be happy. He doesn't. No, God made us. And so he gave us the Ten Commandments. You know, it's kind of like the owner's manual, if you yeah. will. You know, if you buy a car and you don't follow the owner's manual and you put water in the oil tank and oil yeah. in the radiator <laughs> and sugar in the gas tank. See how I, long that lasts. I, 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 what are you going to do? I mean, how long is your car going to run? You know, you're going to have problems, right? And so God gave us, as it were, an owner. He gave us a guideline. What's going to bring you the greatest happiness? This is what you have to follow. First, you have to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, Mm -hmm. your whole mind, your whole soul, with all your strength Mm -hmm. and all your will. And then you have to love your neighbor as yourself. The first three of the Ten Commandments, you love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, and soul. That sums those three up. The next seven, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus took it one step further. Love your neighbor as I have loved you, Jesus said at the Last Supper. So sin is a real offense against God who is real. And all wrongdoing is sin, we are told in the scriptures. All wrongdoing is sin. Not all sin is deadly. There is deadly sin. There is this distinction between deadly sin and non-deadly sin. Mm -hmm. So sin is real. And if we lose that sense of sin, if we get this idea that, oh, well, God's so merciful, he's just going to forgive us anyway, and it doesn't bother him. If it doesn't bother him, look at the cross. Take a good long look at the cross. Do you think he would have gone through that if sin didn't bother him? Why did he do that if sin didn't bother him? What was the point? I'm off on a tangent, but I'm going to continue it because we know confession is the remedy for this. Amen. But it seems in our church right now, the lines for the confessional are very, Ooh, very short. Very short. And I'm wondering if there's a connection with the idea that maybe sin isn't sin anymore. Do you think there's a connection there, Mary? I think so. We've lost St. John Paul II when he started the, his pontificate. He said he prayed. Lord, return to us a sense of sin and the sensitivity of the saints. We've lost a sense of sin, and we need to ask God every day, Lord, give me a sense of sin and show me where I'm offending you. We can, we are, 
we're not infinite. We're not God, but we seem to have almost an infinite capacity for self-deception. Yeah, we can. We justify. fool ourselves until you know, long after the cows come home, mm-hmm. and we convince ourselves that oh well, you know, it's not really that bad. It's not really you know, and, and we try to compare ourselves. Well, I'm not out killing my neighbor, and I'm not out you know doing this horrible thing or that horrible thing. We look at the most horrible things that are done on this earth. And then we say, well, I'm not doing that. So I'm not so bad. They, uh, uh, wait a minute, Psh, forget it. We need to examine our own conscience. When I go to confession, I'm not supposed to be telling my husband's sins or what I think my husband's sins are, or my kid's sins or my neighbor's sins, or I'm supposed to be confessing my sins mm-hmm. and I'm supposed to be repentant. I'm supposed to be making a firm resolve not to commit those sins again. The remedy for sin is to face it, that I am offending God by sin, that God is truly offended by it, and I need to ask for the grace to be truly sorry and to make a firm purpose of amendment. And if you're waiting for someone to encourage you to go to confession, that's me. Go to confession. Go. Don't wait. And I would say, Mary, that if it's over a month, somebody should be going to confession on at least a monthly basis, if not every couple of weeks. Is that a fair statement? I think so. Padre Pio counseled people to go to confession every week. The church counsels that at least monthly. Granted, I understand you only have to confess mortal sins, right. but the deal is St. John Paul II said we need devotional confession. Yeah. That is, we need to go and confess our venial sins. No amount of venial sins can ever equal a mortal sin. The problem is if we get complacent about venial sin and start committing them willfully, it won't be long before we're willfully committing mortal sin. That's just how it works. It's, you know, we slip. It's, it's, you're you're either going forward in the spiritual life or you're going backward. And if we're not going forward, if we're not weeding sin out of our life, then we're going to compromise with sin. And once we compromise with sin, we're in big trouble because the sin will get, we'll get, we'll go to bigger and bigger and bigger sins. Just like, if we don't compromise with sin and we cling to God, we will be more and more aware of how much we need God's help to, so that God can work in and through us to accomplish his will in this world. Well said. We're going to take a quick break. Fill your coffee cup up with a refill. Get some of that hot tea in there with some honey. We'll continue to discuss and study the Gospel of Mark here at the Bible with the Barbers. We appreciate you joining us because, you know, when you think about it, I was just looking at a survey that Americans nearly spend half of their waking hours looking at screens. Okay. Well, I mean, you're probably looking at YouTube. That's a screen. But it's not about some entertaining thing that just titillates you. We're studying the Word of God. So I just want to encourage you to take more time online to look things up regarding to your faith. That's going to give you a lot more value than just getting somebody doing something stupid on a bicycle or something, or your kitty cat doing something, watching a cat do something. <laughs> so I want to encourage you to tell your friends about Virgin Most Powerful also. Like us on Facebook. Like us on the YouTube channel. Get the free app. I want to encourage people to call 877-526-2151 to pick up more of our little cards. Hand them to your friends so they can start listening to all the different shows Virgin Most Powerful Radio has on the network. This one's called The Bible with the Barbers. We're studying the Gospel of Mark chapter 6. And I want to encourage you to tell your friends to tune in to The Bible with the Barbers and all of our shows. We'll be back in a short minute to continue the Gospel of Mark.
If you're a listener to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you already know about Hands-On Apologetics with Master Apologist Gary Machuda. And if you're a fan of Hands-On Apologetics, then we have some exciting news for you. This February, Sensei Gary will be leaving the Apologetics Dojo in Michigan to visit the Virgin Most Powerful Radio World Headquarters in Covina, California. And if you'll be in Southern California this February, we have more exciting news for you. Not only will Gary be doing his live show from our Virgin Most Powerful Radio studio, but he will be giving a live presentation on February 20th at 7 p.m., right here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. That's Gary Machuda speaking live on the topic of Breaking the Bible Barrier, Why Catholic Appeals to the Bible Fail, and How to Make Them Successful. For more information, call 877-526-2151 or visit virginmostpowerfulradio.org. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So there you have it. We got that we got that message there. We need to repent. Yep. And when we repent, it's amazing the things that God can do in our lives, you know. And and the, the peace. We we come to know that peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. So as we go on here, now that the apostles did, they, they cast out demons and they healed some sick people. They anointed them with oil. People might ask, well, where do you get this idea that the Catholic Church uses oil to anoint people? Well, Mark chapter 6, verse 13. Take, biblical, man. They were anointed. They anointed the people with oil. So, And then we have the opinions about Judas. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some, some said John the baptizer had been raised from the dead, and others said, that Elijah, or one of the prophets of old. But Herod said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. And we all remember the story, right? Herod imprisoned John. And why did he imprison John? Well, gee whiz. Now, what was the story there? John told Herod something about he couldn't live you with... You can't change the sixth and ninth commandment. Yeah, I think... There you go. <laughs> you don't have a right to live with your brother Philip's exactly. wife. Oh, whoa, wait a minute. What? Well, it, what's interesting is... It wasn't Herod who was so upset about it. It was the woman, Herodotus. She hated John because John had told Herod, you can't live with your brother Philip's wife. Exactly. Herod found the attraction of John's word. And I think Herodotus was a little bit concerned about her position in life. You know, Philip, her, her husband, didn't have as big of a 
you know, clout in the Roman Empire. He didn't have as much territory. He wasn't considered, you know, the, the, the top king on the hill here. Herod was. And so she wanted to marry Herod. So she seduced Herod and Herod took her and terrific. And now Herodotus is envious. She, envious. She's angry. She's furious with John. I mean, furious to the point where she wants him dead. She wants him out of here. And so she's waiting. She's biding her time. She knows that Herod likes John. He's perplexed by what John says, but he feels the attraction of John's word, which by the way, you know, when we get ourselves enmeshed in sin, we might feel the attraction of the gospel, but if we're not willing to leave the sin behind, if we're not willing to get ourselves out of that sin, we're not going to be able to fully respond. And what happens here? So Herod's enmeshed in the sin and he's arrested John because John spoke out against his marriage, quote, to Herodotus. Mm -hmm. And Herodotus is angry with him mm -hmm. and She's biding her time, and Herod gives a big banquet for his birthday, and he oh, yeah. invites everybody, and he's been drinking, and Herodotus' daughter comes in and performs a dance. Um, Seductive dance, I this might is, add. This is, yeah, exactly. He, she's appealing to his definitely to the flesh. You yeah, know? you she's, got it. To everybody's flesh here. Yep. And she's got everybody pretty excited, and Herod is so excited, he promises her anything up to half of his kingdom. Wow. And she's like, well, what do I ask for? So she goes out and says to her mother, what do I ask for? <laughs> Herodotus has her chance. Go in and tell him you want the head of John the baptizer on a platter. Mm -hmm. So he goes, she goes in and she said, immediately right here and now I want the head of John the baptizer on, my, on a platter. And he's like, <gasps> what did I just do? But he doesn't want to offend anybody. He's made this promise to her. He doesn't want to retract on his promise. Right. This is all a public thing. Everybody saw it. What are you going to do, Herod? All eyes are on Herod. Right, he's, he's kind of cornered right now. With he's Herod. cornered, but he put himself in the corner. Yeah, he did. He put himself in this corner. And so he orders the, 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 the jailer to go in and behead John in the prison. Now, it's not exactly what Herod wanted to do. I mean, he's not doing this fully out of, he's not doing it out of malice towards John, that's for sure. He's only doing it to save his political position. Because he's the king, and he's made this promise, and yep. he can't renege on it. That's he right. can't go back. And so he sends, you know, he doesn't want to look bad in anybody's eyes, which is, you know, that, that, that's ironic, isn't it? We have a lot, of, a lot of that. We call it political correctness. Yeah, and it's ironic, isn't it? Because he's the king, right? Yeah, I mean, give and me And yet break. he doesn't want to offend anybody. He could do anything he wanted. He put John in jail. Yep. You know, his father had killed lots of people without worrying about it, you know, and... Sure. And he, but it's like, oh, I made a promise here. I made a vow. I, I swore that she could have anything up to half of my kingdom. And all she's asking me for is the head of John the Baptist. I mean, psh, you know, who's John the Baptist, right? Yeah. And so he orders it. And, and John is beheaded in prison. And um, so there you have it. You know, it's like, what, what does sin do to us? Little by little, it whittles away at our ability to act as free human beings. Quite frankly, it degrades us. You know, I'm, I make a connection. It's a long jump, but I try to apply this to us today right. in 2019. And I think of the unborn babies that are being slaughtered through abortion. Right. And that we, as individuals, have a role to, pr to play to protect those unborn babies. Yes, we do. But it might mean being uncomfortable. Yes, it might. Speaking up for them. Yes, and not being politically correct? Yes. And it seems to me, and I'm just pointing the finger at myself, but I think, it, I think it, it generally it can be almost anybody. Are we doing enough 
to stop the slaughter of the innocent? Are we? And that's a very good question. What is what is the number now? How many worldwide have we killed through induced what? surgical abortion? Yeah, they say it's 50 million a year. Worldwide. A year. A, 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 genocide? I mean, and we're talking about... They didn't, Hitler didn't kill that many. So it's so it, where why where's where where are the people crying out genocide? Where are the people crying out? Look, we're we're killing our children. We're why yes? What is it in us that's allowing us to ignore this reality in is our it, world? Is it somewhat political correctness because we don't want to be, you know, labeled um, religious fanatics? That, that may be a big part of it. We need to examine ourselves and ask ourselves these questions. I, I know that right now the pro-lifers are being persecuted. You can't, you can't say certain things in public or the, the, you know, our, our political system right now is trying to, certain people within our political system are trying to pass laws to make it illegal, to say things about abortion and what it really is and what it really does. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you can't have sidewalk counselors standing out in front of the clinics because, wait a minute, who, and as Ben Shapiro would say, and God bless Ben Shapiro, and we pray for him, that he will be faithful to the Lord until the end because he's, he's, out there, he's out there telling us, people, what universe are you living in that you're saying that parents have a right to kill their children? Because that's what abortion, that's what induced surgical abortion and even induced chemical abortion, you're murdering a human being. I'm going to encourage all of our listeners for the March for Life that's coming up. You've got one in Los Angeles, you've got one in San Francisco, you've got one in Washington, D.C., and I'm sure there's smaller ones that I'm forgetting in other parts. But connect yourself into the pro-life movement because we really do need to stand up for life because if we don't, who will? Exactly, exactly. And Pope John Paul II warned us, you're living in a culture of death. We do not respect human life anymore. We do not see the image of God in each individual human person. We need to look for this. We need to see it. This is, was part of Herod's problem. Herod didn't see the image of God in each individual person. He only saw his own desire to be king and his own desire for political advancement. That's all he saw. Well, if, if we think of Herod and we're like, how could he do this? In a sense, we're doing the same thing right. here in our own time. And here's the bottom line, our pocketbook. Yeah. If, if we... Like in California, our governor now wants us to pay for abortions. Wow. We oppose that, okay? Oppose it. Um, we're going to oppose it with everything we possibly can do. But I want to encourage our listeners to vote with their Catholic faith rather than with their pocketbook. Because there's, there's, there's parties out there and there's candidates who say, look, uh, I'm for killing unborn babies, but you know what? I'm going to get you a job. Yeah, well... <laughs> and, and you know, there's a price. So all yeah. I'm trying to say is yeah, be careful who you vote for Amen. and make sure you vote with your Catholic conscience over any kind of political allegiance. Right. And it, whether it's Republican or Democrat, look at the platform, look at what the candidate stands for and ask yourself as a Catholic, right. who should I give my vote to based on a moral principles, not financial Exactly. We need to do that. And that the reality is that this culture of death that we live in, we need to fight. Just like just like there were those who fought against the evils of Hitler and slavery. Stalin and yeah. Mussolini sure, and that. slavery all and things. all of those things. And, and you know, if you go through the numbers of people who've been killed by different um, totalitarian governments, the Chinese yeah. government or the Russian government or mm-hmm. all the Eastern Bloc 
uh, communist governments that existed or Hitler and during World War II or even the slaves in the United States of America. But right now, abortion far outnumbers all of them put yeah. together. The yeah. number of children we have killed, innocent, defenseless human beings have been slaughtered. And we're coming up with that infamous court case of Roe versus Wade, the 23rd of January, 1973. Yeah. We were teenagers when that happened, right, honey? Weren't we yes. teenagers? 1973, yes. I think so. Were. And that was tragic, but that doesn't mean we have to roll over and say, oh, well, that's what the government says. No, we're going to fight this to the end. We need to. And because life is sacred. Life is sacred, and we have to defend the most defenseless. They don't have anyone to defend them. Mm. And this is, this is insidious. It's from Satan. There are certain sins that come right from hell. And killing our own children through abortion and contraception comes from hell. That's inspired by the devil. That's his hatred for mankind. Mm -hmm. That's why the devil inspires us to sin, by the way. He makes it look like it's going to be fun, right? You know, Herod thought, oh, this is great fun. You know, yeah. I've, got, I've got the kingdom, and now I can have my brother's wife. And by the way, I can get her daughter at that, and she's uh, pretty seductive and... She can give me a little pleasure, too. But, Herod, what are you compromising here? You're compromising your soul. You're compromising your human dignity. You're degrading yourself through sin. And that's what all of us do when we sin. We degrade ourselves, and we destroy the image of God in us. God hates sin. Amen. And he hates sin because it destroys us as human beings. We're made in God's image, and sin destroys us. It seems as we read the Word of God, it convicts us of morality good and evil it's very clear yes it is and it seems that this bible that god has given to us is really uh, a, a valuable tool for us to follow in the way we live with our family life personal life business life it's just a manual that it's like a love letter that god has given to us to it read is, and is. that's why i want to thank you every wednesday coming with us here at the bible with the barbers I keep saying Wednesday, it's Tuesday. Tuesday, every Tuesday, we read the Bible, we read the Gospels, and study it, and trying to make it apply to us in our life. Amen. And I hope that you're doing that in your own life, like we are. My wife and I are discussing this, because this is really the crux of it, is conversion. Amen. So let's come back again and continue with the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 6, our last segment. Don't turn that dial. We're going to come right back and give you some more good readings from the Bible here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. listener to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you already know about Hands-On Apologetics with Master Apologist Gary Machuda. And if you're a fan of Hands-On Apologetics, then we have some exciting news for you. This February, Sensei Gary will be leaving the Apologetics Dojo in Michigan to visit the Virgin Most Powerful Radio World Headquarters in Covina, California. And if you'll be in Southern California this February, we have more exciting news for you. Not only will Gary be doing his live show from our Virgin Most Powerful Radio studio, but he will be giving a live presentation on February 20th at 7 p.m., right here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. That's Gary Machuda speaking live on the topic of Breaking the Bible Barrier, Why Catholic Appeals to the Bible Fail, and How to Make Them Successful. 
For more information, call 877-526-2151 or visit virginmostpowerfulradio.org. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Now, if you followed that gospel carefully, before we got the story about Herod there, Jesus had sent his apostles out on mission. Amen. And the apostles returned now, and they're they're just really excited. They're you fired know. up. They're all fired up. You know, they're, wow, they could <laughs> cast out demons, and they could heal people, exactly. and they were preaching repentance, and... And Jesus tells them, come away by yourself to a lonely place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a lonely place by themselves. And so this is, and we need to pray. We need, Our priests, you know, we have to pray for our priests and our bishops. And they need time to spend with the Lord away from the crowds. They have to have that time to rejuvenate and to rebuild themselves. That's right. You can't, they can't constantly, constantly be giving, 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 giving. The Lord, um, who is this? Was it St. Bede that tells us? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, St. Bede. The Lord makes his disciples rest to show those in charge that people who work or preach cannot do so without breaks. Amen. And they need those breaks to actually be rest in the Lord. And that's where Eucharistic adoration comes here for us. Absolutely. And I want to just take a time to uh, to invite you, my wife and I, on Thursday nights here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina, do holy hours from 7 to 9, praying for priests right. and praying for the church. Yeah. And we would in- invite you to spend some time before our Eucharistic King. If you can't come here, go to your local parish. Right. Because right. that's where you get rejuvenated. Yeah, to be filled up with the Lord. Bishop Sheen, when he would preach his priest retreats, he yeah. would always tell the priests there that they need to make a daily holy hour. You know, you can't, how can you give Christ to your people? And that's, the priest is supposed to be Christ to right. his people. Right. He said, how can you give Christ to your people if you're not in touch with Christ? And mm-hmm. it's not just enough, it's not enough just to go to Mass every day. Yeah. He said, you need to make uh, one continuous hour outside of Mass time in adoration of our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. He said, you know, you could do a half an hour before Mass, have Holy Mass, and then do a half an hour after Mass. That's a, that's an hour. The, the Mass doesn't interrupt adoration. Right. And so 
he encouraged this and and we need this and pope john paul ii said we need adoration of the eucharist we need to adore jesus in the blessed sacrament Amen. so jesus tells his apostles to come away for to a to a quiet place and rest and that's where we get this jesus's own example of going away to quiet places to pray taking his apostles aside to pray mm-hmm. and so they go in the boat and that was their, that ended up being their quiet time because by the time they get to the shore they're met by a bunch of people mm-hmm. And he sees the great crowd, and he has compassion on them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he teaches them many things. And again, the Gospel of Mark doesn't give us the details of everything Jesus taught. No. You know? Which book in the Bible says, if, if it was written down, that would, I think it's John, but I think if it was written down, there wouldn't be a book large enough to hold all the things that Jesus did. Right. The world could not contain the books if everything that Jesus had done and said right. was written down. So Isn't that John? In that was John? John. That was in John. And and the, the gospel, I think, that gives us the most speeches of Jesus yeah. is Mark. Is, uh-huh. Excuse me, Matthew. Yeah. Matthew is the longest gospel, and he gives us most of, most of many of the words of our Lord. And John gives us some things, too. John gives us things that weren't included, mostly, in the other gospels. Yeah, he, he gives you things that weren't included. There, there's a couple of things that are in John's gospel that are in the three synoptic gospels, but not many. Most of it, he's trying to pick out events from our Lord's life that hadn't been related. Like already. the wedding feast of Cana? Like the wedding feast of Cana, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, This is good stuff. Mary, I know we only got a few minutes left, but... Would you encourage people to get the Navarre Bible as a commentary? Because I think Scepter Press is the ones who publish these books. Yeah, it, it's it's excellent. It really helps to have a commentary that is in line with the Catholic Church that explains the the Word of God to us in a mm-hmm. way that is according with the Church teachings. The Navarre Bible gives you quotes from the documents of the church, from the doctors of the church, yeah. the saints, the fathers of the church. 2,000 years of history. And that's, you know, the, the Gospels are not, they're not straightforward. You know, if you think any man can read the Gospels or the gospel or the scriptures and understand them, they're just straightforward and anybody can understand them. How many denominations do we have? Ask the eunuch in the Acts of the Apostles. There you go. Ask the eunuch in the Acts of the Apostles when he said, How can I? How can I understand if I don't have someone to explain it? And who is that someone? The church. Jesus Christ gave us the church to give us the authentic interpretation of the scriptures and to teach us, to actually give us the scriptures. If it weren't for the church, we wouldn't have the scriptures. Well said, Mom. Well said, Mary. So it is the church, and we need that. We need that. So the Navarre Bible would be an excellent, excellent. And it's published by Scepter Press. Scepter go online and get it yeah that's okay. excellent so you can take a look for that and they have a single volume oh, now yeah, of the go. gospel and the acts of the apostles <laughs> My wife too. yeah yeah this is the one that uh, has what uh, all the gospels and the also it has the, act, the acts, acts of, the apostles. of the apostles yeah so that's good so then jesus gets there and he teaches the people and after he teaches them mm-hmm. it's a lonely place it's late and he tells his apostles give the people something to eat and they're like they're hungry like right uh, with 200 days wages you know <laughs> a, almost a full year's worth of wages is that that's what we're supposed to do to feed well, how can we feed all these people you've got 5000 men out here and mm-hmm. and Jesus said well what do you have and they say well we have five loaves and a couple of fish and <laughs> And he said, okay, tell them all to sit down. And they're like, what are you going to do now? (laughs) And he blesses the loaves and the fish, the five loaves and the two fish. And he tells his apostles to take these five loaves and two fish and distribute them among 5,000 men, which means there were more than 5,000 people because in addition to the men, there were women and children. Of course. So you're talking about a huge crowd of people. And they do. They take this and they distribute it. 
and they gather up 12 baskets full of fragments. Unbelievable. Whoa, you know, and, and it says, you know, nowadays in, in the modern world, we don't want to believe in miracles. We don't want to believe in divine intervention. Unfortunately, if we really examine ourselves, the reason behind that is because we really don't want to have to change our lives to conform to God's word. Mm-hmm. We want God's word to change to conform to our life. And there are certain denominations that do that too. When they read something in the scriptures that make them uncomfortable, they don't change their lives or their doctrine. They change the scriptures. That's not what the Catholic Church does. The Catholic Church says we have to conform our lives to what God has taught. And so when the apostles distribute these five loaves and two fish and among 5,000 people, it's like, whoa. And they're just kind of shocked. And the people are are (laughs) realizing that, you know, this is, they know. Something miraculous is going on here. And Mark doesn't give us the whole story. But if you read this account in all of the Gospels together, mm-hmm. you find out some of the people wanted to carry him off and make him king, Jesus. They wanted to carry him off and yeah, make him king. They'll never go hungry. Yeah. Hey, he's going <laughs> to feed us all the time. Hey, this is going to be great. You know, follow this guy and he's always going to feed us. And we're always going to have plenty. And what are we looking for? Earthly. We're looking for earthly things. We're looking for a finality in this world. God doesn't give us a finality in this world. We're made for heaven. We're made for union with God. We don't want a finality in this world. We want to get to heaven. We want to get to our true homeland and be with the Lord for all eternity. And so, you know, after he feeds all these people, Jesus sends the apostles out onto the lake and he dismisses the crowd. And then he goes off to, pl- to pray. And he's, he goes off to pray and then he's watching and the apostles are out on the lake and they're rowing hard against the winds mm-hmm. and you know, and and about the fourth watch of the night, he comes walking on the water. And whoa, yeah, <laughs> and and the the apostles are terrified. Oh, I bet they're terrified. I think it's a ghost. Yeah, and this is remember, God really does work miracles. He has the capacity to work miracles. He can really intervene in human history. But remember something: we don't have a right to demand of God that He work miracles. Right. You know, unfortunately, we have this idea sometimes in in, in our world that. If I have an emotional woundedness or a psychological illness, that Jesus just needs to cure me. He just needs, it's only Jesus is the physician, only Jesus can cure me. That's not true. God uses human means to cure. Just like if you had an appendicitis, you wouldn't say, okay, Lord, you got to cure me. I'm not going to go to the doctor. Well, you know, God may or may not miraculously cure you of that appendicitis, or he might let you go to the doctor and get a surgery and, and have that taken care of. But we don't have a right to demand of God that he intervene miraculously in our life. He can, but God is God and we are not. And when he does intervene miraculously in his life, he does it for his reasons and in his way. And he may want us to go the natural route to work things out. And so if you have a psychological illness or emotional woundedness, look for the help you need. And by the way, we have a show now on Wednesdays Thomas at Schmier. noon. Thomas Schmier. Um, what is healing and peace? Healing and peace. And so, you know, for those of you who have these troubles, call him or listen to his show and, and, or, you know, contact him through email and he can give you some advice as to how you can go about walking the path of healing and don't demand that God work miracles. And by the way, if we're just loving God for the miracles that he can work, we're not loving God for the right reasons. We're not loving God. We're We're loving the things that he can do for us. And we're like these people who, okay, he fed us. Let's make him king because then he'll always feed us. We're looking for a finality in this world. And we have to examine ourselves on that. Am I just looking to God to cure me and to to, to work all these earthly things for me so that I can have a comfortable 
pleasant life here in this world? Or am I looking to love God? And that's what we need to pray for. So in the middle of the night, Jesus comes walking across the water and the apostles are terrified. And he says, it's me. Just calm down. Fear not. (laughs) Fear not. Again, And how many times in the scriptures does it say? 365. There you go. Do not fear. Why? Why does God always have to tell us not to be afraid? Because what do we do a lot? We're fearful. We're fearful. We look at ourselves. We look at the world around us. We don't look to God. Exactly. And that, you know, I'm not faulting anybody. Believe me, I understand. You know, it's, it's tough. Especially like that, you're you're in a tough situation. You know, your your children are off in the. If you have a child in the military and they're off at the war, and you yeah, there's fear, and that's okay. But let it motivate you to pray more mm. and to turn to the Lord and trust Him more. Ask Him every day to be able to trust Him more, because fear is useless mm. if it's just that emotional fear that binds us up, yeah. so that we can't do anything. Fear can immobilize us, and so we want to pray for the grace not to be immobilized. We want to pray for the grace to be able to. Turn that fear, that emotion, into a positive good where we're working with God. You know, when you feel the emotion of anger, all you have to say is, Jesus, I don't consent to the sin of anger. Help me work through this emotion. If you feel the emotion of fear, Jesus, I don't consent to the sin of fear. I want you to help me to trust you and work through this. If you feel the emotion of hatred, and that's, you know, if, if, if there's an evil being done, you should feel hatred. We should hate what God hates, sin. But, but let's not give in to the sin of hatred. Let's not give in to the sin of fear or the sin of anger. Lord, I don't consent to the sin. Lord, I need your help to work through these emotions in a, in a way that will not bring damage to other people, will not take me away from you, but will bring me closer to you and help me to trust you more. Well said. I've got an action item with a minute left. Continue to read the Gospel of Mark until next, Wednesday, next Tuesday when we meet up again. And I just want to thank all of you who have been supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. This is our anniversary week. One year. One year. Whoa. Seven shows on Virgin Most Powerful. Check us out on our website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org. And if you'd like to become a monthly donor, wow, that's how we pay our bills. Call 877-526-2151 or go online. It's as easy as registering your name and how you want to Make that donation, and I just want to thank you ahead of time for all the donations that you make. Help us continue to proclaim the gospel. The Catholic Church has been teaching for 2,000 years. So I want to thank you again, and we'll see you again next week, same time, same station. May God richly bless you and your family. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests Oh, my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, Grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin most powerful radio. 
sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.